1: episode 176 of the rise and shine podcast and the featured guest this week legendary play-by-play voice kenny albert who has an unbelievable new book out kenny of course does the stanley cup finals lead nhl Play-by-play voice for the Turner Stanley Cup NHL Package. You obviously hear him on the NFL and Fox all the time. His baseball calls are unbelievable. Basketball. He's done the Knicks. He's done everything. And we'll talk to him about his incredible career and what makes him such an incredible play-by-play voice. We have an unbelievable text from Jack Schein that we'll get into. And we'll hear from my dad. We'll talk to Kenny about his dad. Before we get into the... Shine nine this week. I do feel compelled to talk some Taylor Swift. And really, I have no issue with the Taylor Swift coverage. You have people going absolutely bonkers out of their mind with NBC showing Taylor Swift left and right on Sunday night. Look, I say it all the time on the Rise and Shine podcast. I'm a Swifty. My girls love Taylor Swift. I jog after radio on days I do the show at home, and I run three, four miles. I listen to the mix that Jolie made for me, the ultimate Taylor Swift running mix. I, I'm obsessed with it, so I have no issue with it in any way, shape, or form. People were absolutely... Going bonkers on Taylor Swift being shown after touchdowns and, you know, Mike Tirico starting the broadcast on Sunday night saying hello to all the Swifties. Bob, you're a diehard Jets fan, and Mm -hmm. you certainly died throughout the course of this game. (laughs) I've been dying. Did you have any issue with nonstop Taylor Swift?
2: No, because I understand, Adam. I understand what goes into a production, and I understand where they were going. It's a new audience, Adam. It's new fans. It's new people. Bring them into the sport. Bring them into the game. I was fine with it. Here's the thing, though, Adam. If the Jets got blown out it would have been all Taylor Swift all the time, of right? Of course. So the best thing that Zach Wilson and the Jets did that night, they made it a football
1: game. So I wasn't really bothered by it, to be honest. I was more focused on the game. And listen, it became a great game after an awful first quarter, but I I, I know some people are upset. You know, the NFL Twitter account, it's, you know, Chiefs 2-0 and since, you know, they became <laughs> Swifties. I, I, I get it, especially with the officiating at the end. And, Bob, you're a Jets fan, I'm not. That holding call on Sauce Gardner was the single worst call of the NFL season. <laughs> I mean, Zach Wilson and Patrick Mahomes is like they did the jersey shwa- swap after the first quarter. I mean, that that was crazy. I, I still can't believe that transpired the way that it, it did. Give Zach Wilson credit. Still think he's horrendous, and I have no faith that it's going to continue. <laughs> but I'm surprised people are going nuts here about Taylor Swift. I mean, she's not just a singer or an artist She's a cultural icon. I think I think some people don't realize, Bob, how important she is in the fabric of, of society. And whether it's men or women or girls or boys, I mean, this is not, and I use this example to you off the air, this is not the Jonas Brothers. And I love the Jonas Brothers. And they're, you know, obviously a very popular group. Taylor Swift, the Taylor Swift tour, I mean, you know, the way she performs, how she performs, you know, whether it's moms and daughters or dads or sons or whatever it is, I mean, she's packing these arenas. She she could sell out a concert and play every single night. Oh, yeah. There's no one who's even close right now to the power and popularity of Taylor Swift. Yeah, I mean, it's a cultural phenomenon,
2: Adam. I mean, think about it this way. If you want to go see a Taylor Swift concert, it's like buying World Series tickets, except in every city, right? I mean, that's the the expense of it at this point. And by the way, it's more
1: popular than the World Series,
2: and I live for baseball. Yeah,
1: it's kind of crazy,
2: Adam. Every night, it's like buying a World Series ticket. It's that expensive. It's it's, every
1: night buying a Super Bowl
2: ticket. It's like taking a second mortgage out just to go see her play. So I get it from that standpoint, but I also get it from the standpoint that people were mad about it. I mean... People get mad at everything. They get mad at anything. Mad
1: online.
2: Everybody's mad all the time, Adam. One of the funny things that people like to do is they like to complain. They, they like to tell you how bad a broadcast is, how bad an announcer is. I mean, think about it this way, Adam. You, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are fantastic. They're unbelievable. The best. You have people constantly complaining about them. Makes so no sense. People just don't really understand. I'm not surprised at all that there was blowback. But again, like I said... The game was so compelling, I didn't think it really overshadowed the broadcast. So, no. we kind of got lucky. If it was 30 nothing Chiefs at the half, well, I might be singing a different tune today, Adam. I might be singing Blank Spaces. I might be pretty angry. So You might be singing Cruel
1: Summer. <laughs> you might be singing Betty. Uh, you might be singing Anti-Hero. As a sure. Swifty, I could, I could keep going here, Bob. But I won't, because I do <laughs> know there are some people who just, you know, obviously tune into the podcast because they want football. Yeah. And I was thinking for the Shine 9 draft this week, I, I thought we would do this together or I'd give you a temporary list because I am in a great mood quarter mark of the season and I'm going to give you my top nine teams that I think are most likely to make a Super Bowl run okay Ready? Yeah, give it to me. Number one, San Francisco. Yes. And the 49ers, that was my Super Bowl pick preseason. Best team in the NFL, best roster in the NFL. Christian McCaffrey's been unbelievable. Yes, he could be in the mix for MVP. San Francisco is my number one. Shanahan's incredible. Purdy's been great. Loaded with weapons. Defense phenomenal. Clearly number one. Number two, Buffalo. Rough. Rough time for the haters. We went ballistic on a football Monday. The clip is up on Instagram, at Adam Schein. We're the haters now, telling me that Josh Allen was garbage after week number one. Baggots, losers. Josh Allen's amazing. Stefan Diggs, incredible. They bludgeoned Miami. Uh, Ken Dorsey did a great job calling plays. The defense is phenomenal. I am a little worried about the white injury for the rest of the season with the yeah. Achilles But, look, they are loaded with talent. Von Miller hasn't played yet. I'd put Buffalo number two. I'm going to put Philly number three. Okay. I'm still struggling with the way Jalen Hurts is struggling, and there's a new offensive coordinator. Ron Rivera absolutely should have gone for two at the end of that game. Oh, my goodness. Eagles have talent. They have experience. I'll put them third. Fourth. I'm going to roll with the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. Yeah. Dallas is 3 and 1. Dallas is loaded. Obviously, they just humiliated and tormented and abused Mr. Mac Jones and the New England Patriots. I'm going to put Dallas. They pitched the perfect game great bounce back after Arizona. Dallas is going to be number 4. Number 5. The Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. The Baltimore Ravens, head coach, quarterback, culture, Roquan Smith, Eric DaCosta. I would rank them as a team (laughs) that is fifth on my power rankings and most likely to go to the Super Bowl and, and win it right now. Number six. The Chiefs. Yeah. Defense has been phenomenal. I have
2: no disagreements here, Adam. Really? With the list. I can't even. Like, everything you're saying to me makes perfect sense. I have no qualms so far. I'm I, sure I will, but I, right now you're. So, your top great. six, we're on the same page exactly. I mean, I, I honestly, if you wanted to swap Baltimore and Kansas City, but that's it. Because A- here's the and thing. And that's the- minor. Yeah, well, also because of the NFC, right? It's a clear top three. It's clear. It's it's San Francisco, it's Philly, and Dallas, and that's it. You know what I was thinking? It's kind of funny, Adam. Well, I mean, we previewed the season forever. We previewed it all offseason on the podcast, on the show, right? It hasn't been that unpredictable so far. Who was your Super Bowl pick,
1: Adam? Yeah, it was San Francisco Buffalo. One,
2: two yeah. on the list. Yeah. So, I mean, you've nailed it. We are, And that's it, the top three, right, in the NFC. We've been banging the drum. Eagles, San Francisco, Dallas draw the line. And that's exactly how it's gone. It's it's bizarre. It's for a month in, and it's the same so far. I have nothing right now so far. I love the list. I think it's perfect.
1: Yeah, and listen, I I said last year, and I was proven wrong that they would miss Tyreek Hill and they won a Super Bowl. (laughs) These receivers, Mahomes doesn't trust them, and they just haven't looked great, and they could have and should have lost in the Taylor Swift game against the Jets. (laughs) Number seven, Seattle. Wow. I love the Seahawks. Tough, clutch, well coached, well rounded, can win any style of fight. Geno's for real. Love the big three at receiver. I'm including Smith and Jigma with Lockett and DK. Walker's strong. Line has been coached up. They play well. Bobby Wagner's done a great job on defense. Witherspoon is a stud. And we're taping this fresh off of how Seattle just absolutely humbled and humiliated Daniel Jones, who can't play so i have seattle seven miami eights and the detroit lions (laughs) number nine
2: wow all right so now i have a little bit of an issue here adam i just when it comes down to the seahawks they're just missing something right they are they are in that second tier i think that is more than fair and we saw it right how are they going to hold up against san francisco against dallas against philly that's what really worries me. They did beat the Lions. That's a tough road win. That was a great win for the Seahawks. But look at week one versus the Rams, right? The Rams to me are a borderline playoff team and they killed them. They dominated the line of scrimmage, they dominated the game. Seattle worries me. I can't put them seventh. I don't even know if I'd have them in the top 10. Now, granted, because they're in the NFC, they're going to make the playoffs, right? If they were in the AFC, I mean, forget about it. For instance, I would rather have the Chargers over the Seahawks, right? Because I would still trust Justin Herbert much more than Geno Smith. And Geno has played great, and Shane Waldron's great, and the offense is great. But the Chargers still have that X factor in Justin Herbert. I can't get him out of my mind. To me, the Dolphins, I think it's fair we have them ranked, right? The defense stinks. It stinks. This is a replay of last season. This is the same thing, right? They did the same thing last year, start the season hot, and then look what happened. Fall apart. It was just about week four, right? It was the same kind of thing, right?
1: The Buffalo Bills Miami humbled them, also could have lost humbled week them. one, could have lost week two. Yeah. They didn't. And Tua used that word you did, Bob. Mm-hmm. They were humbled they were after humbled. week number four. I'll tell you, you make a really interesting point, though, about Seattle. Yeah. To me... I gave, and you know this, and everyone on the podcast who listens knows, I love the Rams going into the season. I got spooked by Cooper Cup's injuries, so I didn't take them, as I said I would, to the playoffs. I think that was more about the Rams than the Seahawks. You mentioned the Chargers. I... Yeah. i like this team i hate the coach bad defense i like the team i love <laughs> the quarterback a lot of injuries buys coming at the right time Oh, thank goodness i have the chargers ranked 11 yeah and i think they absolutely can compete with the chiefs all season wish again they had a different coach at fire staley and have kellen moore coach the team team number 10 on my list yeah the cleveland browns
2: well yeah i get it i understand where are the bengals on your list are
1: they on the list I made a list of 11. It's unbelievable. Didn't even think it's about it. It's just unbelievable, How Adam. can I?
2: Uh, Burrow's this not is, healthy, this Bob. Is a perennial contender. That goes back to – it seems like they're always playing in the Super Bowl or Championship Sunday as long as Joe Burrow's been the starter after his rookie year. And I think it's the biggest story in the NFL, Adam. The demise of the Bengals is truly unbelievable. He can't move in the pocket. Burrow it just doesn't look the same. But that's funny. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you told me right now, and I know exactly everything we've seen, would you rather have the Lions, the Seahawks, or the Bengals? Like, I have to still go with the Bengals because they have Joe Burrow. I, I have to assume he's going to get healthy at some point,
1: right? Bob, can't, but can't think they sit about him down? every performance. But that's it. They have to sit him down, I though. I think they have to.
2: Because even if they just made the playoffs with a healthy Joe Burrow, that's dangerous. Look what they did. They won in Buffalo last year.
1: It doesn't matter if they have to play every road game. You just got to get to the 100%, playoffs. 100%. Right? 100%. Yeah. Now, the best game that they've played is the Rams game. And it's not like that was a banner game. They didn't play well. I didn't yeah. even consider Cincinnati on this list. Not even in the... I, I would think of the Houston Texans. And I love what my guy Damico oh, Ryans has done. Wow, no. I would put the Houston Texans with CJ Stroud and my guy D'Amico <laughs> Ryans. Can't do it. I would put them ahead. Look, oh, I would love no. to put the Saints on the list. Derek yeah. Derek Carr's Can not healthy. Yeah. You know, so that factors in with the Joe Burrow, but my top eleven would include the Chargers at eleven, Cleveland at ten. But I'm going San Fran, Buffalo, Philly, Cowboys, Ravens, Chiefs, Love for the Seahawks, Miami and the Detroit Lions. Kenny Albert, featured guest on the Rise and Shine podcast, and joins us next.
0: I'm Cindy Lauper. My psoriasis was all over, even on my scalp, which may mean four times the risk for psoriatic arthritis. But Cosentix works on both.
3: Eight four four Cosentix. Ask your doctor about Cosentix. We got another day of NBA action, so it's
2: time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet five dollars get two hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party, only on FanDuel. 21-plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable. Bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: My son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home, through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel They can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Ah, the sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run.
2: NFL fans. Right now on the SXM app. Hear in-depth coverage of your team with the Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. It's all the analysis. All the breakdowns that matter to you. Hosted by the players who played for your team. And the fans who eat, sleep, and breathe it. 32 diehard fan bases. 32 podcasts. The Believe Podcast Network on Sirius XM. B-L-E-A-V. Search Believe in. Followed by your team on the SXM app. Pandora, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts
1: the featured guest this week on the rise and shine podcast one of the best in the business a legendary play-by-play voice he does it all and he has a perfectly aptly titled book to hit it all home a mic for all seasons and that's exactly what kenny has a mic for every single sport every single season kenny congrats on the book and it's great to see you adam great to be with you listen all the time big fan so great to be here with you in person well it's great to see you and likewise and I am a a huge fan of your work and your play-by-play and have been for years and first and foremost and I always like to ask this question why the book I mean it's incredible great inside information about your career you know the ups the downs the preparation the laughs and there's a lot in it it's unbelievable why did you decide to write the book I
4: always thought about it in the back of my mind. I feel like I have a lot of stories, and for the last 20-plus years, speak at a number of broadcasting camps during the summer, and I get such great questions from the high school and college students, and I wind up giving a lot of the same answers, telling all the same stories. <laughs> so I figured, why not put it down on paper? And my my family, my wife and kids, have been pushing me for a while. And then during the pandemic, when we all had a lot of time, I was home for 146 straight days, I decided to put together an outline, uh, started writing some sample chapters. I enjoy writing. I did a lot of it in high school and college and also did it myself. No ghostwriter. I figured it's my voice, my stories. Enjoy writing. So uh, hooked up with a book agent who then secured a publisher, Triumph Books out of Chicago. And then I continued. And at one point I realized I have 12 or 13 separate chapters. It was almost like totally separate books, and I figured I have to merge these together at some point and make it into book form, so I uh, had to ask my daughter how to merge the files. And <laughs> I have to do the exact we, we, same thing. We put it all together, and then, you know, there was a lot of redundancy, so I had to go through it and edit, and uh, the process was interesting. I had never done it before, had a lot of help from the editors, from my family, and um, then once it was submitted September, a year ago, uh, they sent it back to me a few months later and made some more
1: edits, corrections, changes, and just so excited to see it in print. Yeah, it's great. I'm holding it up for the video portion of, of the podcast. It's incredible. Mike, for all seasons, my three decades announcing the NFL, the NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and the Olympics. So I've read your book. I read your dad's book, I'd Love To But I Have a Game. that Almost went with I'd Love To But I Have a Game too for the title. <laughs> <laughs> but but we switched it up and went with a mic for all seasons. That's amazing. And listen, your your dad, to me, is, is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. What was that like growing up with Marv as your dad? And when did you get that bug to do play-by-play and follow in his footsteps?
4: Well, the first part of the question, I didn't know anything different. That's how it was, right? So uh, growing up, it was great. It was a lot different than... Many of my friends, um, he was never home at night for dinner, wasn't home a lot on the weekends, but I also got to tag along uh, to Knicks games, Rangers games, Channel 4, WNBC, travel on the road. When I was old enough, I would start to keep stats for him. Um, When did I get the bug? I was about five or six, and my parents bought me a tape recorder for my birthday, a toy tape recorder, and I set up my room like this studio. I had the, the desk and then the bed in the middle and the TV Uh, on the other side, and I would start announcing games into the tape recorder. When I was old enough, I would bring it to MSG, Shea Stadium, and really the first huge break was in 10th grade when I was in high school on Long Island covering a lot of the sporting events for the school paper and the town paper. All of a sudden, uh, Cox Cable from a neighboring town shows up uh, to film a girls' basketball game, and they had two cameras, a little production van, and no announcers, so I volunteered, raised my hand, met the producer, and called that game... And I had been doing a lot of the games into the recorder prior to that. But I spoke to the producer the next day on the phone, the late Roy Menton, and he offered me the opportunity to be the play-by-play voice of Cox Cable for the next two and a half years while I was in high school. So I would do basketball, baseball, hockey, football, soccer, lacrosse, all around the island, uh, college games at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy as well, Division Three football and basketball games. And it was such a great experience. Back then, High school kids didn't really have the opportunities that they do now if they're interested in getting into play-by-play or broadcasting. So I felt like I had a -a two-and-a-half-year head start. I would bring friends along as color analysts. That's so cool. um, Then it was on to college at NYU calling men's and women's basketball as well. But it really all started with that big break
1: at Cox Cable. How do you now, doing what you do and lead voice for the NHL and you're doing the NFL on Fox and you're doing Knicks games, how do you compartmentalize that? I mean, your travel schedule gives me the heebie-jeebies, plus family and spending time. I'm serious, Kenny, because I've always I, – I, I will see you doing a Monday night Nick game after you've been in New Orleans or right. Los Angeles doing a – how do you do it? It
4: gets crazy, especially this time of the year with with football having started a month ago and now hockey, and then I do about 15 Knicks games uh, when Mike Breen has a national assignment. Um, it's a jigsaw puzzle, uh, all of the networks are great about it, uh, football takes priority on Sundays, and then the NHL games on TNT are on Wednesdays, and uh, the Rangers radio, I don't do all the games, but a good portion of them, and then the, the 15 or so Knicks games, so um, it is a bit of a challenge sometimes, and there, are, there's a whole chapter on travel stories, and I've never missed a game due to, due to travel or weather, but um, have had to take six-hour rides. I have rides. to knock on
1: wood, as you say. Yeah, exactly.
4: <laughs> you know, there have been six-hour rides in taxis and car services or driving myself in the event of a canceled flight or something like that. But um, the great thing is, and you mentioned family, and my wife and kids have been great about it, similar to my upbringing, right, when I, when I grew up with a father and two uncles in the business. Um, I also felt when my kids were young, and now they're 24 and 20, I was around for a lot of the weekday stuff that most parents weren't. So even though I missed the weekend activities, I would drive to school many times you know, during the course of a week, pick up, go to some of the activities. So it was sort of the reverse schedule, as a lot of people in our business um, have. And uh, we made it work. And they also got to tag along with me as well to a Pro Bowl in Hawaii or so a Super cool. Bowl in Indianapolis or... Uh, several cities during the hockey playoffs as well.
1: So I tie this in with a purpose because I read the chapter on on travel. <laughs> give me your craziest, give the audience your craziest travel story and or your most agita-filled travel story.
4: Well, the craziest period were the two weeks during the hockey conference final in 2014, the East and West. I was uh, assigned to the West, L.A., Chicago by NBC to work that series. And then the Rangers happened to make it to the Eastern Conference final <laughs> against Montreal. I remember. So for two weeks, it was back and forth, red eyes, early morning flights. The biggest concern, aside from getting there, is is the voice. hundred percent. Knock on wood, have never had any, any voice issues. I think during periods like that, the adrenaline carries you through. Um, there have been other times with uh, – there was uh, back in September of 2019. I've had so many weeks with three different sports in one week, but – there was one period with five sports in about two and a half weeks, including a boxing match. So five sports
1: five two and a half, half weeks. weeks,
4: including boxing. Right. It was football, baseball playoffs, hockey and basketball. Next week coming up, uh with hockey starting in two weeks from now, I have uh two hockey games of basketball and a football in the same week. It's uh it's Boston, Detroit, um
1: and then on to wherever I'm assigned on the on the football game that Sunday. Wow. I mean that's that's wild and the voice always sounds great and you're always on it and your excitement level is always great. One of the things I've always admired about you Kenny, the way the the nuts and bolts of play by play perfect, but the excitement level and taking it to a different level. I'll give you a couple of calls. Victor Cruz, the 99-yard touchdown. And this is when I was at SNY. Doing Jets post game, I had a line post game saying "Shoddy ruined Christmas" because he kept throwing with right. Mark Sanchez <laughs> all over the place. But and going into that game, there's a lot of talk about the Jets right. making the Super Bowl run, not the Giants. They had
4: just been in two championship
1: games, a hundred percent, and I think a lot of people thought it was the Jets' time to shine, not the Giants. That is that S-C-H-E-I-N? That's right. Yeah. Done with a purpose. Exactly. Well done, Kenny. That call is one of my all-time favorites. That was a memorable one.
4: Uh That was w- with Moose Johnston and, and the late Tony Saragusa, the late great. Um Worked with them for eight years, ten years with Moose. uh Some of the greatest memories throughout my career with, with Goose and Moose. Um I, I ran into Victor Cruz recently at a charity event this summer, and I introduced myself. I had met him a couple of times in the past, and I reminded him that I was the voice on that call, and he said, I watch it every year on the anniversary because my friends
1: and family always send it to me. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a great call. And I'll give you the other one. And, you know, I personally love your baseball. I think your baseball is fantastic. The way, you know, you're on it. You let the analysts talk. You know, the way you capture the moment. But the bat flip game. And, and that whole scene was amazing. It was an intense ambiance. It was a huge moment, you know. Some people love a bat flip. Some people don't. I loved every single second of it. You captured that perfectly. That is my personal, and I do have a little bias. I love baseball. I love your baseball calls. That's my all-time favorite Kenny Albert call.
4: Wow, I appreciate it. Uh, Appreciate the kind words, and it's ironic because I do less baseball than than any of the other sports. I worked 10 baseball games this year, but that's the call when I speak at these camps or when I'm traveling around the country I get asked about that one more than any of the others. That was uh, back in 2015 during the American League Division Series. And it's funny, you know, we all get paid to speak. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when when you lay out and don't say anything is when you get praised. Um, similar uh, to a, a Game 7, Rangers-Penguins, two years ago when Artemi Panarin scored the overtime winner uh, to take that series. And I was working the game on TNT and... Um, one of the writers here in New York uh, praised the fact that I shut up for a minute and 56 <laughs> seconds.
1: So sometimes you get praised for saying nothing, which is very ironic. Do you miss doing baseball? And again, you did 10. I just I love your baseball calls. I our mutual friend Eric Spitz, who's who's my boss and our VP at at Sirius XM. Never I, heard I, of him. I exactly your guy. I, I've said that to them consistently like I just I love when Kenny does baseball the cadence the pacing you're, you're a great conversationalist do you miss doing it
4: well first of all I've been blessed with great analysts through the years and on that Bautista game it was Harold Reynolds and yeah. Tom Verducci uh, they did a terrific job um I really enjoy doing baseball um happy to be back in it you know during a couple of years uh, with the pandemic. Didn't do much. I was in the hockey playoff bubble in August and September for 37 days back in 2020. So uh, that took precedent, obviously. But I really enjoy it. And and I'm fortunate that Fox still assigns me to X number of games a year. Uh, worked the playoffs for five or six years, which were a lot of fun, including that series back in 2015. But I was so lucky to work um, 30 or 40 games throughout my career with Tim McCarver. Who, who I feel is the greatest baseball analyst ever. Absolutely. 20-inning game, Mets-Cardinals 2010 with Tim. I never left the booth to go to the men's room.
1: Which, by the way, as someone who needs to go to the bathroom, every 45 minutes our producer Bob is here. Literally, if we're ever on the road, my first question is, where's the bathroom? And I think it's mental because hockey, football,
4: basketball, there's a there's an intermission, right. halftime. So I you always know as a broadcaster you can go at a certain <laughs> point. In baseball, it's only a two-minute break between innings. That's true. So I can't really leave. The bathroom was close in St. Louis. I could have gone if I needed to, but you also never expect the game to go that long, right? You think it's going to end after the 11th or the 12th. In that case, it was scoreless through 18 and wound up going 20.
1: I want to give you another compliment, and it's something that your dad did amazing as well, maximizing analysts. And especially, I think it's it's a great skill set in general, but specifically to go back to your schedule and to have the ability to do that and know, when to say more, when to say less, how to get your analysts in. Not everyone's at the same experience level. How do you do that? How do you how do you know when to hold them? when to fold them? Because you're really incredibly Kenny skilled at that.
4: It's a great question and I think it's different uh, depending on the sport, on that specific game, on who the analyst is. I list at the end of the book in the appendix, I might hold the record. I've worked with over 250 analysts in the various sports, ranging from uh, 19 years with Dave Maloney on the Rangers to one game with so many of them. Uh, Hall of Famer Paul Mol- Molitor, one game with, and a number of others. And uh, on the football side, I was in Canton for the first time. I had never been to Canton, but a close friend, Rondé Barber, was inducted this past August, so my my family and I uh, made the trip. And um, I counted up during the gold jacket ceremony. I've worked with 15 Pro Football Hall of Famers. Wow. So um, I I researched them before the first time. You know, you know a lot about their careers anyway, but then you could bring up certain things. Um, Working now with Jonathan Vilma for the last four years, um, in particular if we have a Saints game, but it could be um, in any other game. But he has such great stories about the, the chess match that he had with Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl. And he said, and he said this publicly, he said, if we didn't have two weeks to prepare, we would have lost that game. He said, mm-hmm. the extra week that I had to study, Peyton Manning, and then he talks about uh, listening to each other on the field during that Super Bowl and changing each other's calls. Uh, the Friday practices, his defense going up against Drew Brees and Sean Peyton. Uh, when I worked with Rondé Barber, uh, so much chatter about you know his time in Tampa and the Super Bowl teams. I worked games with Troy Aikman and Joe Namath and uh, the, the years with Moose and Goose. So I study them a little bit, uh, get to work with Wal-Clyde Frazier 15 times a year, uh, so many of the top hockey analysts uh, back when I worked with Tim McCarver. That I think that was the most nervous, the first game I ever worked with Tim.
1: I'm sure. That was the
4: most nervous I was as far as working with a particular analyst, because having watched him through the years, he was always right on top of it. He would first guess. He would predict things before it happened. And the first five or six games, and then, then you get more comfortable with someone as you move along, but... I'll never forget just reminding myself, you have to be on your toes even more so than usual working with Tim. You
1: know, it kind of gave me the chills as you said that. And I love the way you you juxtaposed that answer and and, and McCarver was at the end because, you know, oftentimes as a play-by-play guy, you might have to prompt, right? With McCarver, there was no prompting. No. He was gonna tell you exactly how he felt at that moment. Sometimes a reaction's warranted, sometimes it's not. Oh, by the way, Kenny, you still have to call the action. Right. No, that, that was absolutely the case. Um, you know, another
4: adjustment is when I first started working with, with Moose and Goose. Uh, Tony was on the field, yeah. and his mic was open at all times. And we're not together in the same booth. So at least with, with Darrell, with Moose, you have that nonverbal communication. Um, if he wanted to come in and say something at a certain point, he might tap me or make a gesture. You know, I would basically set up the play, call the play, wrap it up quickly, because I knew there were two analysts that might have something to say. And we've we've done it in hockey through the years with a Pierre Maguire or a Keith Jones or Brian Boucher down at ice level. Similar scenario where you have a third person, a second analyst, not with you physically. And I think with Goose, he and Moose, I was amazed. They never really talked over each other. Uh, What's called stepping on each other in the broadcast industry. They had this extra sense of knowing when the other one might want to come in and say something.
1: I love the way you call the sports. I mentioned baseball. Hockey. And I'm not a diehard hockey fan, but I love your hockey calls. And one of the things that pours through your passion, the knowledge, the, the preparation, the passion. And it's such an exciting game. And this package on Wednesdays and the postseason package, I mean, Turner does it right. Like it's, and I've said to my producer, Bob, who is a diehard hockey fan, said it to Liam McHugh. It is a show. Like, they think about what they do at the NBA. They've duplicated that formula and success for the NHL. You feel that with this package on Turner that you're part of this show now for the National Hockey League? Absolutely. Um, getting back to, to your first statement, people often say to me,
4: hockey is your best sport or most exciting sport. But I think it's a nature of, the, you know, the speed, the quickness, hockey on the radio in particular – you're just going at it for 60 minutes at that pace. Um, So I think that's why it sounds like the most exciting. And, um, you know, as a youngster, uh, loved hockey right from, you know, as far back as I can remember, played a little bit, wasn't very good. Um, But I'm so passionate about it and I've been really fortunate to call now two of the last three Stanley Cup final series on the TV side, first with NBC and then with Turner. But Turner did an unbelievable job. You know, their basketball show inside the NBA. I, the put best. It, I put it right up there with Fox NFL Sunday. Yep. The two best pregame shows of all time. And by bringing in Liam McHugh and Paul Bissonette, the Spitting Chicklets podcast <laughs> that amazing. he does is is so popular. Um, Wayne Gretzky, obviously. Henrik Lundqvist. And uh, Rick Tockett the first year. Uh, Keith Yandel, Anson Carter. They do an unbelievable job. And then getting to travel with that crew the last two years during the playoffs has been incredible. Wayne Gretzky, so kind to write one of the forwards, along with Walt Clyde Frazier, for the book. But as, as good a player, as, I'll put Clyde in the same category, as good a player as they both were, they're even better people. Mm-hmm. And just being around Wayne during the Stanley Cup last year, the conference final the year before, just how generous he is with, with the crew and... Um, with fans, signing every autograph, posing for every picture, but coordinating dinners and off-day awesome. events with us. I can't say enough about about his kindness and about... Um, all of the folks on that show and, and Turner just putting together the perfect cast.
1: There's a certain generation that hasn't, that didn't see Wayne Gretzky play. And I always say, whenever you want to have a GOAT conversation in any sport, just make sure Wayne Gretzky's on the list. You can debate the order one through four of the big four sports, but just make sure Gretzky's on the list. How would you characterize and describe Wayne Gretzky as a hockey player?
4: It was just magical watching him play. Uh, he was He was so much better. And the way he thought the game, he learned from his father. His father once had him sit down as a youngster, and I've talked about this with him personally, with a piece of white oak tag. And his dad Walter said, when you're watching Hockey Night in Canada on a Saturday, just draw wherever the puck goes. And all of a sudden there were these certain areas on the ice with with a lot more marks than the others. And that's how he knew where to go ahead of the play, from watching all these games. Um, Does a terrific job on television. But when I think back to that era... Uh, those Edmonton Oilers, you know, they would put up seven, eight, nine goals a game. And, and uh, you know, he was obviously the main reason why they won four cups in five years. But when you look at his numbers, similar to Babe Ruth in the early days when he was hitting, you know, such a higher percentage of home runs. Uh, sometimes he out-home run to other teams, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: Wayne Gretzky has more assists in his career than anyone else <laughs> has points. And that's taking away the fact that he's the leading all-time goal scorer in NHL
1: history. It's crazy. I mean, he, he's he's Ruthian. I mean, that, he's mythical. And his recall is unbelievable. Uh, yeah, he could just. and he, That pours through on TV, too. But if you guys are just sitting around, he could remember any moment. He, he
4: told us a story about they had played in Calgary the night before, flew back, got home at 2 in the morning. He didn't get sleep till 4. They go in for a morning skate the next day. Glenn Sather wanted them to get the legs moving. And he wasn't feeling well. He didn't think. He was going to be able to play in the game. And then he drops on us. I had eight points over the first two periods.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kenny, final one for you. Regis Philbin, Rich Ackerman, Kenny Albert, driving around in your car. I I need some details and I need some stories. True story. So, Rich Ackerman, who you know very well, I
4: met in summer camp. We were 11 years old. Roommates in college. Broadcast partners in college. Uh, Talked to him 10 times a day even 40-plus years later, after we first met, he befriended Regis Philbin, who's a, who was a big sports fan, WFAN listener, uh-huh. at at the Reebok Club, their their gym in Manhattan. This is amazing. So this was about 15 years ago. So they became close friends. They would talk sports all the time. Um, long story short, I wind up, uh, through some mutual folks, inviting Regis to Axe's 40th birthday dinner. He couldn't come due to a charity event, but he showed up for dessert, which was great. Uh, he told Ack stories for about 45 minutes. <laughs> Ten years later, Ack turns 50. Regis actually agrees to attend at Peter Luger's Steakhouse in Brooklyn with about 15 of us, a number of people in the sports world. Ian Eagle was there, among others. And uh, Regis needed a ride, so he asked Ack how he was getting to Luger's. <laughs> um, I wound up driving them to and from. So I had Regis in the back seat of the car, Ack in the front seat. What was that car ride like? You know, I didn't really know Regis. I had met him the one time at the 40th, but he was great. He was talking sports with us. He was telling stories about his days at Notre Dame. And then when we walked into the restaurant, again, strangers would come up to him, ask for pictures and autographs, and he was just so kind and gracious and – and pose for pictures with just
1: about everybody that was in the restaurant that night. That's amazing. Kenny, you are the best, and the book is incredible, and it's just an amazing read. Everyone will love it. A mic for All Seasons, My Three Decades Announcing the NFL, NHL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and the Olympics. Continued success, and listen, that travel schedule gets crazy. You're always on top of your game. Love listening, love watching, and congrats again on the book. Well, Adam, thanks a lot. Really appreciate you having me on, and make sure you... Uh, read the anecdote
4: about me actually missing the last two periods of a Baltimore Skipjacks minor league hockey game my first job I did the first period of the game and then flew to LaGuardia for Eric Spitz's wedding
1: oh wow actually
4: missed two periods
1: how Spitzy come on you gotta schedule he's got to reschedule the wedding or schedule it around your schedule and
4: Spitz arranged Ian Eagle, who I had never met up until that point, picked me up at the airport. We had no idea what each other looked like. He was my ride from the airport to Spitz's wedding. So
1: Ian drove you to Spitz's wedding. He did. 1991 or 2. You can't make that up if you're trying. It's in print forever. It's in the book. It's time for texts from Jack Shine. All right, Bob, this one's kind of directly for you. Adam, suggestion. (laughs) You and Stewie can do this. This is Wednesday, last Wednesday at one forty Eastern Time. <laughs> I have a great idea. Get Taylor Swift on the Rise and Shine podcast. Andy Reid, parentheses, <laughs> your guy, oh, no. might be able to help you with this. Use your sources. You've had actors, actresses, singers, performers on the podcast. Tell Stewie to book... <laughs> Taylor Swift. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I mean, is, is, is Michael Jordan coming on tomorrow? Is <laughs> LeBron? Is LeBron available? Uh, I mean, joining us right now on the Rise and Shine <laughs> podcast. In, for the record, I, I'm showing you my phone. I would even write back. <laughs> he just sent me a whole bunch of articles. That, that's, that's my dad. He's Get Taylor Swift on the podcast. Rise and Shine is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more... Please give a five-star rating, leave a review. Subscribe today, wherever you stream your
0: podcasts. Sirius XM Podcasts. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix.
3: Ask your doctor about Cosentix.
0: At Audi, expectations matter. It's why what's standard on every Audi SUV are features that exceed yours. How we get there matters. The Audi family of SUVs. Progress you can feel.